Do Hi it. everyone, welcome to Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. Um, this is episode five, six, yeah. six. Five. No, six, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we are, I'm Ashley and this is my co-host Aloria. And today we have a special guest, Hannah Echo. And am I saying your last name right? Yes. We are going to be talking a bit about self-discovery, um, Hannah also has a book that she's going to be publishing soon, so we definitely are excited to hear about that. Born in London, raised in California, oldest of four. Uh, she is a writer, teaching artist, um, author of Honey is the Knife, uh, the book that we're going to be hearing about today, and then creator of Honey Knife LLC. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. And her work has appeared in Bust, Asterisk, Bitch Magazines, and BuzzFeed. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so Hannah, just get, tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you've got going on. Uh, so let's see. I guess like the most immediate thing would just be really like moving towards a more full-time like creative life. I was in the Coast Guard, uh, active duty for six years and then was um, did the reserve thing for about uh two years active and then two years inactive reserves. And during that time, that's when I was doing my um, MFA in creative writing at the, at the University of Pittsburgh. So since then, I've been really moving towards like my lifelong dream, which is always writing, but you know, how life is, you just end up in so many different places that maybe you didn't expect. Um, so that's really where I'm at now is just really learning to um, like, I feel like I've, I've entered in a new leg of like my healing journey that's much more immediate. And I also feel like in line with that, my creative voice and like what I wanna do in the world is becoming more crystallized in a way, especially around like the book um, and just life in general. So that's where I'm at. Love it. So I have a, so what, where did you get the name of the book from? Cause your book is called Honey is the Knife. And I know um, we spoke, you kind of gave me a little tidbit about it, but um, yeah, give us a, give us an idea and, and some background around the title. So the, um, the title is from, there's this uh, book that is a collection of like, uh, like sociologists, historians, teachers, and it's, it's called Oshun Across the Waters. And they're all writing about the goddess Oshun, the Yoruba um, feminine deity of love, sensuality, healing. And so in 2016, yes, 2016, I got a scholarship to go to study in Nigeria. And I'm Nigerian, but it was my first time ever going to Nigeria. And so I was there to, to go to, to attend the Oshun Festival and to like visit a lot of places in Yoruba land. And um, it was a very momentous trip on many occasions, like just seeing my family, seeing like where I'm from, you know, um, and like really feeling like, oh, wow, like this is this, this is where my ancestors were for like thousands of years, right? Um, but in the book, The Ocean Across the Waters, um, there's this line that just really struck me from this artist named, um, he passed away, his name was Charles Abramson. And he had an altar to Oshun um, in his like art studio and maybe in like the 80s or so. And he was just like a very, he was a deep um, devotee of um, Oshun. And he said, with Oshun, you realize that honey is the knife, that honey is the thing that cuts. And so as someone who is like always very interested and invested in um, 
healing and anti-racism and feminism, but also was feeling something in my spirit where I was feeling like the way that I'm talking about these issues and going about these issues is not, doesn't feel sustainable. And it's also, I also had this anger in me <laughs> too for like what black women have to face on the daily and how that contributes. Black women deserve honey, like we deserve sweetness. And so I was thinking about like how we get all these things thrown at us where we have to have our knives out, right? And in our ways in which we get cut just by the society, but how um, instead of always having to fight, which is a good instinct to have, right? To defend yourself. There's a way in which to bolster our ability to actually be like warriors in the world um, and in our own families, our lives is that what we really, what I think we do need to keep going and to heal actually is honey. So honey becomes a knife, honey becomes a weapon, honey and sweetness and tenderness and really seeking after our own pleasure. That is just as important as if you're fighting in the street. And actually, if you are gonna be out and doing these things, you really need honey, right? Like if you're, um, but I do believe that to me, black women are constantly having to step up in ways that other people do not. And um, I think that what we need, what we need in addition and I think that's a brave thing, but I, I really believe that honey and pleasure and being good and owning all that we are, that that is one of our weapons um, and one that isn't always talked about. So that's where the title comes from. It's Oshun and she just really inspired the book in such a big way for me and just really helped me to feel connected to my ancestry and to healing and to like being a warrior in a different kind of way. So that's where the title comes from. I love it. I cannot wait to read it. So kind of talk me through how you, uh, like how you came to decide to write your book about, uh, like how you started your journey of self-discovery. Like where does that begin for you? Um, I know that's such a broad. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, where did it start? I think I just, I, as a young kid, I was always very interested and just like, I remember early on, I was like very interested in when like self-esteem was the thing that everyone was into. So that's like second grade. I just like really loved the idea of like um, expressing yourself and feeling good about yourself, mainly because I think I had such a struggle with it. <laughs> so of course I, you know, you see, they always say like all research is research. So that kind of thing was, I was very attracted to. Um, and then I would say like the big turn definitely came when I graduated from military school for after college. That was when I felt like I was like out in the world because you're just so cloistered in when you're in military school in a lot of ways. Um, even though you're going, you're doing all these things. So I think that that's where I really started to really be invested um, in like personal development and feminine leadership and like I learned about queer theory and fat liberation all these things were just like all around me because I was in Portland Oregon which is very like progressive and different um and it was very it was what? very cool did yeah. not know that yeah I was that's where I was first stationed um was Portland okay. Oregon mm -hmm. um and then it's pretty I mean it's it's also like extremely white <laughs> you know yeah um oh, wow. And of course, faces a lot of like, that's where I also got to anti-racism. So you can imagine that it was like, there's a lot of things going on, but it's a very progressive, like, um, like their motto is keep Portland weird. It's like the, yeah. it's, it's I like thing. that. Mm -hmm. 
was where that started. And then as far as the book, I knew I wanted to write, like I was getting very sick of a lot of the self-help books I was reading. So I was like, this is like BS, a lot of the things. And I, I read some really amazing self-help books, but I'd also, because I was sort of addicted to self-help at a certain point, I also read a lot of terrible things. And I started to see a proliferation of like ideas I think could actually do harm. And I had also been in places where I felt like, oh, these people were taking advantage of my pain, you know, to market something to me. And because I was in so much pain and looking outside of myself, I got wrapped up in things that maybe, you know, were not the best for me. So being able to see like, well, I want to be someone who can say, not like, oh, my life is perfect now, I'm healed, but just to say, you know, I've reached this level and I'm still gonna keep going. And I think that that's actually what, self, what development looks like. I don't think you reach some peak and you stop. Yeah. So that was like five years ago when I knew I kind of want to write something in that vein. Yeah. yeah it's so interesting that you talk about like the kind this kind of idea that self-help is going to get you to the finish line mm-hmm. when in reality there's kind of no finish line i mean the finish line i guess is death not to be morbid but um yeah it is it is kind of interesting that that you bring that up that it's just it is just this long journey of just twists and turns and ups and downs and there really isn't unless you're trying to reach a certain goal there really isn't like an end point where you can say okay check I did that and then I helped myself and now I can move on with my life yeah and I think that unfortunately there's a lot of people who are telling that message that there is an end point yeah um and I I really don't believe and I just think that anyone who's selling that there's only one way and it's their method or what worked for them and that's it I think is immediately in my mind I'm like oh like you're selling me something you know and that's okay people need to make money but it's not the same as truly um, learning to be with yourself and those other people in the world and I see that that now that's a clear difference so yeah well I noticed that a lot of people when they 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 forget that I'm all about being present now because that is so important they don't realize that the ascension is the journey it's the those are the peak points and you're always climbing, you're always advancing, you're always developing, you're always achieving the higher version of yourself. That's not something that just happens. Mm-hmm. It's not an ultimate form. And a lot of people think that, which is why they can't enjoy what's happening in the present moment, the successes that they have and the things that they have brought into fruition because they're looking at an end game or when they do reach a goal, they say, oh, well, what's next? What's the next thing I'm gonna do? Instead of relishing in, wow, look at what I did. Look at, this is the highest version of yourself. The highest version of yourself is every single day that you advance, Mm -hmm. every single day that you evolve. And a lot of people think that, okay, give me two years, give me me five years, and then I'll be where I need to be. When Mm -hmm. every day that you improve is the highest version of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful way to put it. And something that I often have to, re- like, I forget and then remind myself again, because I do forget that. And I'm like, okay, what's next? So to even hear that, like, yeah, every day, this is the best Hannah, <laughs> you know, that has existed, yeah. right? And which sometimes can be, like, um, demoralizing on certain days. But, you know, it is. And I think, like, everyone truly is doing the best that they can. Um, you know, and that's sometimes that's something also to like be with so I do like that like yeah you're always at your your highest goal 
Yeah, I feel like I need to write that on my arm or something. That Bye. today is <laughs> because it's so easy to get wrapped up in like uh, not, just not just blurring through what you're going through at the present and just having your eye on this goal that's like whether it be 30 days or like 10 years down the road and next thing you know you can't even remember what has happened in the past year because you've just had your head down which I guess it's good to have your head down and just go for your goals but yeah it is really important to just like sit with yourself where you're at and just like love on yourself a little bit in that place that you're at (sighs) yeah so important yeah. And it's just a reminder. Most of the time we just have to, I, I do think it's like repetition so many times. Yeah, definitely. So what, as far as um, anxiety, so how has that played a role in your self-discovery or just like in your growth as a person, um, you know, in life? Yeah, I think like um, like a lot of Black women, I did not know that what I felt was anxiety for most of my life. I just thought Ooh, like, yeah. sadly, I was a failure. I felt like I was weak. I felt like there was something wrong with my mind, you know? Yes. I feel and that 100%. The, yeah, like you just, you know, because it does do stuff with your mind and your emotions. Um, anxiety affects, it's a total, it's like physiological, emotional, mental, spiritual even. Um, and so... I think I started to like see the tie-in pretty late. Like, I think it was like my late twenties out. Cause I always was like, I knew or had more familiarity with depression. That's what I, I had more understanding of that. I didn't understand anxiety that I didn't really hear discussed very much. Yeah. So I think it was like, I started to have like somatic issues mm-hmm. and started to see that they were like ramping up and, um, would always like read the things about anxiety and be like, well, I don't have like panic attacks like that, you know? And yeah, my chest gets tied every single day, but then I, you know, like, I would just like kind of reason these things away. And then, right. you know, only at a certain point where like people, like people who loved me and then being in therapy, being told like, no, like what you are describing is anxiety. Um, and I think it's figured into my self-development um, and very, uh, it's been like both humbling and also just, um, I don't know, I just have, I think it helped if now I'm at a place where I have so much more compassion for myself and for people who have anxiety and I see the way it manifests and how people who, um, and even myself, like when I get irritable I now know that that's a part of my anxiety, right? Because it's like, for me, it's like, I feel kind of on edge and I am a little bit more sensitive. So when things like are happening around me, I can get very overwhelmed. And, you know, instead of calling myself, um, I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast. Instead of calling myself a bitch, you know, um, yeah. I can say like, oh, like, or someone else even be like, this person is probably anxious and they're irritable. Um, and also just being able to understand myself, like, oh, not excusing some things I've done, like told excusing, like, I don't condone some of the bad behavior, but I can understand it. I understand why it manifests. And I can now knowing that I actually have much more compassion, um, and seeing like, oh, that's why these things were hard for me. This is why when I was in college, I procrastinated. This is why I had to like, 
you know, I, my hands would sweat in these moments, you know, and just also seeing like, well, of course my anxiety is going to be ramped up when I'm the only one in the room and I don't want to mess it up. Right. And I don't want people to be thinking, oh, how did she get here? You know, and um, just seeing like how, um, just like, yeah, I guess it just brings so much more compassion into my life and seeing like so many things I've struggled with were because of this, like this latent fear um, and how like some of it you can't, you can alleviate, but that it's really a combination of both nature and nurture. At least that's how I feel for myself. So I really feel it like, okay, well, I probably am living in a body that's maybe more predest like predisposed to being anxious. And I have to accept that and stop trying to like, and say that, so, there are going to be some limitations and in our world which is very much built on this idea that everyone is acting the same um that can be hard to admit especially as a black woman right where i want to do everything and be everything and knowing like no i can't do that i literally cannot do that and that is okay it doesn't diminish my worth that's something i'm still working through it's just knowing that things might take me longer you know um things might um I may have, I'm intellectually, I may know that's something I don't need to get anxious about, but my body may react in anxiety and knowing also that that is like, anxiety is not rational, you know? Yeah. It's not like it's, it doesn't make sense most of the time, right? So being kind to that part of myself, it really has opened up like compassion a lot in, in my life, so, yeah. It's, it's... Well, that's interesting that you brought up. I'm sorry, Ash. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying it's interesting that you brought up uh, or brought up that there was a need to want to do and be everything. We actually spoke about that before. Um, Superwoman syndrome, mm -hmm. and it's that's something so heavily um, saturated in a black woman's identity to be able to do everything because we always have to be twice or thrice is good anyway um, to just get the same amount of respect or acknowledgement. There's so much anxiety that you don't even realize that you have or that it is anxiety and when you can identify it because when you were talking about when you get stressed or um, when you get overwhelmed, you can become a little bit more snappy and that is definitely me and I hate that because the people that suffer the most are the people people closest to me and I don't yeah. and that's something mm -hmm. that's something that else gives me anxiety mm -hmm. because I'm like I hate that I feel like I'm mistreating my loved ones because I am so much love and I'm so good and kind to people that I don't know but I don't give that same love all the time to the people closest to me and that's something that I'm actively working on but also um that's something that really it's like a a cycle it, it just mm -hmm. hurts me and then I hurt them and it hurts me it's just constant so you have to break the wheel mm -hmm. yeah definitely and definitely I think it starts with having the tools and the the language to mm -hmm. understand like you were saying like you did you were familiar with depression and I feel like even in our communities even talking about depression or saying you're depressed is kind of like oh get over it or pray over it you know you'll be fine just get through it yeah. uh, keep going and you know for just learning about anxiety, learning what it is and how it can manifest in your body, how it can manifest in your mood, um, like whether it's in your stomach or just like getting 
like you said, like sweaty palms or like shaky hands or getting that tight feeling in your chest. Like I had that tight feeling in my chest for years and I never really clocked it. Like I knew it would happen sometimes and sometimes that's how I'd be breathing all day. And it wasn't until I had a friend a few years back teach me how to, first she explained like, oh, did you know that, you know, you're supposed to be breathing through your stomach, like down to your diaphragm and back up. And I was like, no, I breathe fine. Like I just, I take, I take a breath and then move on with my life. And she's like, no, you need to breathe deep, like into your diaphragm. This is how you should be breathing throughout the day. And she also um, was working through her anxiety and was like, this is some, this is a way anxiety manifests. And my mind was blown. And I was, I thought about it like intensely for the next couple of weeks. And it was like, oh my gosh, every day, 80, 90% of the day, I'm breathing here. And unless I was like playing basketball or working out, that was really the only time I was taking a deep breath. And so no wonder I think for me, working out is so cathartic, mm -hmm. <laughs> such a huge release because that was the only time during the entire day where I was being mindful and like telling myself to breathe deeply. Yeah, and I think it's also normal too. Like yeah. if there's a tiger or a strange person coming at you with a weapon, like you should feel some fear and anxiety, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's not actually a terrible thing, but I think for those of us who are like, who have either anxiety disorders or generalized anxiety, we are having anxiety at things that we don't need to have anxiety for, you know, like it's okay. now, um, in like the section where I write about anxiety, I liken it to like, we are like a bell that was struck once too many hard times and we're still like shaking, you know? And so when we get sh hit again, it's like even more, right? Even if it's like a little thing like this, where if someone has a more stable foundation, they get struck and they ring a little bit and they calm down. But if we're just always like this, you know, yeah. that's going to really um, like always um, shaking. And that's that even, inner sense, yeah. Uh-huh. Even the image of that though, um, that paints such a vivid picture because yes. it is like, it is like that because when you think of a bell and it's, it's, it's pretty much, we are waiting to be struck again because we yes. always get struck again. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're just on edge waiting. It's like, we're just shaking, waiting and we still get hit again. Mm -hmm. And it's just a constant thing before we can stop mm -hmm. with the fear and anxiety, there's another strike. Mm -hmm. So I think that's extremely interesting. That's an extremely provocative way to, to paint that. I like that a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more mm -hmm. about the, the anxiety um, chapter or section in your book? Yes. So um, I wrote about it through, um, I didn't even get to put everything in there because I had to, I actually went over the word count for my book. And so that was like a whole um, thing, but in the section it's, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I did have like an excess page. I was like, this is, it's getting too long and convoluted, but there's a point in it um, where um, it's called Black Madonna of the Fretful Heart. And it's about um, my visiting the Black Madonna, which is like a religious figure in the Catholic tradition. Um, it's like a black, basically, you know, Jesus's mother, Mary. They have like, um, I don't know if it's hundreds or thousands of them in Europe and they're all black. Sometimes they say that the mother, like they're black on accident, that it happened over time. And then sometimes they're like, no, it's actually a reference to um, the 
or origin of um, like ISIS. Like there's many reasons why, like many um, theories about why the, these Madonnas exist. But what is true is that they attract a large following and um, people will travel all from around the world to go visit these black Madonnas. Um, and so they have like, um, I think the most famous one is in Czechoslovakia, um, but they have them everywhere. So I went to one in Spain and then I went to one, I went to two in Italy on a research trip. And as per usual, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety. Um, <laughs> I had this like in the store, in the chapter I talk about how I had this irrational belief that I was gonna die <laughs> in Italy. And it came out of nowhere and it wasn't like I, I mean, I still went, but I was like, what about if I die? And it just, that thought would not leave me alone. I was like, maybe I'm going to die here. And I had had friends actually who I knew two, I think, I knew one person who actually did die on a, a vacation and I knew three or four people who got severely injured on vacation. So I was, I, they would just, so I was like, oh, what about this happens to me? So I had all this anxiety and I also was going through a breakup during that. Um, summer and additionally I'm going to Italy and tr I get um, travel anxiety sometimes especially when I don't know like exactly how I'm going to be received as a black woman in a certain place because usually I haven't had too many in, um, crazy um, experiences but you just never know you know yeah. so all this combined during this trip but I just had this like brief moment or which I talk about in that chapter where it was like my anxiety disappeared, but there was a way that instead of turning away from the anxiety, I was able to really have like this like moment, this crystal clear compassion for myself where I was walking down the street and I was lost as I usually get when I'm traveling. And actually I, I get lost in like cities I live in. So it's not even, <laughs> um, it's not even just traveling, but I was lost and I was in Palermo, Italy. And I was like kind of scared to ask people for directions because like my mind was racing. And, um, you know, I was like, there weren't that many black people around. And I was like trying to figure out the words. I don't want to speak Italian. And, you know, here I am, I'm going to this art exhibit, this black art exhibit that was happening in Palermo. And also I had this moment where I was like, Hannah, like <laughs> you literally, before you came to this country, you believed that you were gonna die. Now you're walking through this street and you're like having like, you know, not a panic attack, but almost. And it's like, obviously this thing is very powerful. Like you should never feel bad about like that you can't circum, like you literally, if this thing was like, like if I have this mortal fear and it's still hard for me to ask for directions, it's still hard for me to be like, my body is still reacting in this way then I think I can have compassion for myself, right? Like this thing is very, very powerful and it's not rational and it's affecting my body. So I just kind of slowed down in that moment and I just felt this like welling of compassion for myself. And then because of that compassion, I was able to like take a couple of deep breaths and then finally ask a stranger and all these strangers helped me get to this exhibit. Um, and then as soon as I got to the exhibit, it just started to rain, like pouring rain. Um, and it was just such a moment of just like trust, you know, um, in this power, which is what the Black Madonna represents to me, but also like it was being real that this vulnerable part of me, of all of us, this anxiety that we all share, it's like, it's to keep us safe, right? And it's, it's, um, 
it's the fear of death underneath. Like that's the fear. Like I'm going to die, even though it's like, you're not going to die because someone wasn't able to do their locks or you're not going to die because you mess up like a presentation or whatever. But in our mind, our mind reacts in this way. That's like totally oblivious to our reality. So um, that chapter just like really details that moment that what led to, what led up to that moment through a story about the black Madonna um, and how for me, she really represents like being able to hold that part of myself and not discard it or be ashamed of it to say like this thing protected me it protected me from something that i thought was going to kill me at a certain point in my life you know yeah and i have to have compassion for that part because it's, it's strong too it's like <laughs> this thing is powerful because um, it's like i want to keep you alive <laughs> you know i don't want you to die i want you to be able but unfortunately it's doing all these things that like make us feel like we're about to die so it's just yeah. double-edged sword it's such a weird feeling too. So let's talk about um, what's in your coping toolbox. So sometimes we talk about, you know, everyone has a coping toolbox. I know you mentioned CBD, which I'm, when I found CBD, I was like, oh my God, thank God. I wish somebody would have told me about this. I wish this was allowed in college because I think I would have been a lot more at ease. Um, but what are like five things in your coping toolbox? Let's see, five things. I think one is um, definitely compassion. Mm -hmm. It's just a tool like self-compassion, um, which involves, I think it's like three steps, which is like, it's um, kind, a kind regard, mindfulness, and then a common humanity focus. So you're like, okay, I'm experiencing X, jealousy, anger, anxiety, and that's okay. You know, there's no judgment. And then knowing that like a lot of human beings, I'm not alone in this feeling. There's so many people who experience this because so many times we get, we can feel isolated in what we're feeling. So being like, oh, okay, there's like, anxiety is one of the, I think it's the most um, popular um, mental health disorder actually in the US, I think. Um, and then uh, mindfulness, like, okay, well, what's happening in my body? So that process has been very helpful for me because it's like, it's not like affirmations, like, I am never afraid. So I'm like, well, my body is afraid. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm not like, my rational mind isn't, but my body, my emotions are. So that's one. Um, two, I would say like um, inner child work. I do a lot of like really sitting with my like little Hannah, you know, because I feel like that's actually the part of me that's scared is like, I imagine my anxiety sometimes is like a five-year-old me who is like frightened of something. And so when I'm like, oh, like, what is she scared about, right? Because Hannah in her thirties knows like, this is nothing to be like, to snip at, but five-year-old Hannah is like, this is this is wild. So being able to sit with that part of me, something in my coping toolbox. Meditation um, is something that I definitely used to cope with. I'm not always as regular as I would like, um, but that's something that I, constant I at least I've been like I guess inconsistently consistent with meditating um for like many many years so that's something I always return to um dance helps me as well that helps me to get into my body so I try to dance like once a day sometimes more sometimes sometimes I won't get to it for a couple of days but that always helps me to kind of like get out of my head and into my body and then I would say just like um, 
being around like other people who who are definitely helped me as a support whether it's like my sister or different friends or even like a therapist um just like knowing that I always I I, I think that's one of the most important things honestly it's just like the people I have around me so I would say that those are the five things yeah I love that so Mm -hmm. like what would you if you could talk to like 15 year old Hannah what would you tell her okay so my 15 is like what like ninth grade 10th grade, sophomore. Yeah, 9th, 10th grade. <sighs> What's going on in wow? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, I would tell that. her. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's weird. It feels both immediate and so like long ago. But um, mm-hmm. I think I would tell her that there's nothing wrong with her, you know, and that it's okay. That's actually a gift to be sensitive, that she can trust herself. Um, I would tell her that she's a lot better than what she thinks she is and that she doesn't have to always be the brightest star to be important, that she's just worthy just as she is. She doesn't have to be perfect or flawless to be seen as worthy. Um, (laughs) I would tell her to like not try to like... um, be what she's not so um, going on urban dictionary and looking up slang to use with your friends you know you Thanks, just wanna, I yeah. sound terrible with it I yeah. it just never works for me <laughs> I was like don't do that um just just be you um and yeah I would just also say like and I think one gift was that during that time I was playing like you were saying Ashley about like playing sports I think that's part of the reason why my anxiety wasn't as bad during those years is because I was playing sports. As soon as I stopped, I think that that's when it was like, what is all, because I was getting all that energy out and breathing and doing all that stuff. So I would say like, yeah, play sports, keep on writing, keep on writing all your feelings, no matter how weird they may be, because in about 15 years from now all the things that you were seeing are going to be like popular right like when I was being called racist for talking about racism or talking about these things right Um, I was called crazy um, overly sensitive and now celebrities are like you know endorsing these things so just trust yourself Um, that's what I would tell her like trust yourself keep on going and surround yourself with people who um and love you just as you are. I love it. I'm going to tell that to um, 15 year old Ashley too. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed to hear all of that. I yeah. love your coping mechanisms. It's really dope. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have heard um, SZA's album Control. And yes. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard it probably hundreds of times. But and it, it took me to like the 20th time I've heard it to be like, oh my gosh, this album is literally titled Control and it's about relinquishing control from situations and realizing like you don't actually have control over everything. And there's like a, I think it's her mom that's talking at the end of the song and she literally says, I felt like if I lost control or if I did not have control, things would be fatal. And one day I was listening to it and that just, click like for me that just clicked like holy crap that is one thing that I'm holding on to is trying to control every little thing in life because ultimately in my head like you're saying it's things won't actually you won't actually die if things are good if you do one thing or the other 
but in your in my head it stems from having like having to hold on to things with like a death grip because thinking if I let go of it things may go wrong and then things may be fatal like it yeah it's just that 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 one piece of that one line just changed like opened my eyes quite a bit yeah and black women have had instances where things were fatal you know yeah, like I think true. that's the right. thing too it's like the history unfortunately mm-hmm. um speaks to that our anxiety isn't exactly unwarranted and I think that's even, right. speaks even deeper for people you know who come from who are descendants of like enslaved people right like mm-hmm. your anxiety um isn't like a delusion when there are people and forces that you truly cannot control that are you know terrorizing your life right like so if you you being scared or fearful is normal but unfortunately but it's this thing of I think a lot of us and and I I do think it's even it goes back even beyond um slavery beyond colonization where I don't know what it is about black people but we do not like to admit when we're scared <laughs> you know yeah. truly truly do not i mean I don't, maybe no one does but I'm like we really do not like you know You're scared hurt yeah it's like oh no i'm i'm okay like i can i can get through anything so when you have these very human feelings it can feel like or that are normal sometimes it can feel like a failure even though they're very very normal mm-hmm. like it's normal to be anxious sometimes <laughs> doesn't mean that you're weak it's literally like what your system is designed to do and by you allowing your system to do it you actually get more resilient you know um so yeah but we are fighters in a lot of ways so yeah i agree that it is normal to have a natural um a healthy fear of things because it keeps you not stupid and from dying because when that's the limbic system fight or flight it's basic it's in our bodies to operate that way um Anxiety to me is a little bit different. I think everybody has anxiety. It's just about different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Black people have more anxiety than one, we uh, let it be known, and two, than most people just in general, because Black people in America, I'll say. Um, and I don't even, Black people in general, fuck that, just Black people in <laughs> just black people i think we deal with it more but we're not allowed to it's almost a luxury to have anxiety it's almost a oh well that's why it was okay to let's just pray it away just don't Mm -hmm. pray the depression away pray the anxiety away um because we can't afford to do anything else Mm -hmm. like it it wasn't it was unheard of and it was almost a white person problem to Mm -hmm. have depression or anxiety Mm -hmm. and and getting help, it, the stigma behind it is it's laughable because it makes zero sense. What do you mean, okay, we're equal beings, we're humans as well, so why do you think that it's a white people thing that uh, mental health is necessary or it's a, it's needed? And I just, especially coming up in the Bible Belt, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Just my people are Southern, Southern, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole different ball game. But yeah. but like like Hannah was saying, like I think that so much of it has to do with the fact that there was moments of time and are still moments of time where the anxiety that is rooted in fear is rooted in very valid fears. We we live in a different time where like I hope that if you have the capacity to 
address your anxiety and address, me address mental illness, that we take advantage of it because there's so many of us and that's why we have so much gunk built up in, on our DNA of just generations of people having a death grip on life because at any point in time, somebody can rip it from them. Right. Yeah, and it was survival. So yeah. why would you want to let go of the thing that helps you survive? Exactly. You know, like, right. it, it keeps you living, right. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But I think there is now a time, they, and it's very interesting. I was reading this in um, this book called Women Who Run With The Wolves. And she talks about being over-identified with like our pain and how like we have to, at a certain point, kind of lay it out and say, okay, I dealt with this. I'm not saying it's not going to just like leave, but that you now it's like, I want to go from surviving to thriving. And what's mm -hmm. interesting is that's also the wording that people use to talk about recovering from um, complex PTSD. Yeah, It's from survival to thriving because so many of us are surviving and that's why we keep doing the same mm -hmm. things over and over. And that anxiety is a piece of that. So it's like when I look at it, even though it's like, I remember the first time I brought, I was, I think, 13 and I want to go. I was like, I think I should go to counseling. I think I might need that. So I brought a permission to um, slip home and I would, I gave it to my mom while she's on the phone. Like I'd always give her things to sign when she's on the phone. Right? One of my aunties, I was like, she's not going to be paying attention to it. So she'll just sign it and I'll take it. So I was like, all right, I gave it to her. And I'm like, I went to my room, like she'll just sign it. I'll come back and get it. And then I all of a sudden I just heard her yelling on the phone. I can't believe like why does she want to go to camp and I was like oh. so I knew I wasn't I was oh like, my well, god you know, I'm not gonna go and of course like she's involved now in time like now everyone's talking about depression and anxiety but um you know that stayed with me for years I didn't try to go back to therapy for like a decade um after that incident because I was just so ashamed I was like oh I'm weak you know I'm and I think it was like oh the thing that I always got told to me in so many respects is like, I think I'm, I must think I'm like a white girl, you know, you're, you think that you're white and that's why you do X, Y, Z. So I was like, I don't want to be mm -hmm. white. So <laughs> I'm not going to do right. these things, um, you know? Um, and then of course, learning that that's not true at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's, it's, those are the things that help people to, to survive, right? It's to say like, I don't have a, denial helps people to survive. Not well, but just circling back about um, mothers. My mom read my diary before. Me too. <laughs> when I was a kid. And then she told me not to write about her anymore. And I was like, and I never wrote in a journal again until really? I moved out. You were talking about that, um, what your mom did. It's, it's really amazing how much our parents have an effect on us. And that's why, one, I don't have kids yet. But two, when I do have them, I want to, I want to so badly raise children that don't have to heal for me. I really yes. do. That's so important to me. I don't want to have to have them sitting in therapy like, okay, this is what my mom did. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And That's such a um, way to look at it. Yeah. Because it's so hard. Because I, I love my mom. She's great now. And but if we, if we go on day for day. She had some shit she had to work through. Um, I'm glad she is making the changes and working through it. But child, but that's where giving her grace and understanding that she's also fallible, she's also human. And um, that's one of the things that a lot of people, when they resent their parents, they forget that, you know, your parents were just winging it also. And your parents mm -hmm. had their shit that they were dealing with and they're, they're fallible. And when I when I came to that realization and I accepted it, I was like, okay, well, 
I get it. You know, you did the best that you could do. Really, it was really the best that you could do. Black girls and their moms, that's such a complicated relationship. And that'll be, that's a, we will talk another we three hours about I have a chapter in my book about. Um, <laughs> really? You do. I do, yeah. About um, oh my God. Black women. It's called The Oprah Ache. So hopefully you. Ooh. When is this book his, coming out? How about we find that out? I'll first? be teasing it on um, Valentine's Day through an event at White Whale Bookstore. And then I will be releasing it, um, fingers crossed, on my birthday, April 13th. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Honey awesome. is the knife. Honey okay, can you knife. tell us? Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, Honey is the knife LLC? So this is um, my basically my um, entrepreneurial zeal. Like that's where that comes out in. So um, I was raised by parents who are very entrepreneurial. I think black people are just like naturally entrepreneurial, honestly. Um, and so yeah, I always knew I wanted to have my own business and finally put the paperwork in. And so now it's gonna be a place where I hold events. So in, the, in um, this, yeah, this year I'll be debuting my, uh, well, we'll see. Well, I'll be debuting my cannabis writing um, events. I'm gonna be doing a cannabis and write um, event that'll be coming. So that'll be like one of the things that I offer through this LLC. Um, I love it. But yeah, that is awesome. I've never heard of something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah, so definitely be on the lookout for that. I want to participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now, it'll have to be online. And yeah, it'll be like Zooming. I mean... I can still participate. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of give us a little bit, um, like, what, what does that look like, this uh, cannabis writing event? So, um, so it's going to be, um, we'll be studying the mechanics and craft element of writing. And it's not a requirement, like you don't have to like smoke to join in, but that we'll have like a time in the middle where we'll have a smoke break and we'll be looking at short readings because obviously it's gonna be on like one um, call, but it'll be just kind of like a mini writing workshop where, but we'll be adding cannabis if you would like to do that. You do not have to. In the future, I hope to be able to partner with like conopreneurs is what they call call them um, with, about like maybe getting working with like um, black women and women of color supply um, growers and um, people in the industry, but right now it's going going to be like a BYOB, so bring your own bud kind of event because it's going to be through the digital space. Um, but yeah, it'll be a time for those if you want to generate new writing and learn about a specific like um, more likely than not black woman writer. Um, that'll be a sp- and also smoke in the company and community of other women. Um, and then in, in addition to that, I'm still picking out organizations to donate to, but um, about uh, 10% of the proceeds are going to go to an organization for um, Black people who have been um, basically like overly punished um, through um, past like marijuana laws. So that mm. is the the gist of the event and I'll be debuting it in May. Wow. That's so exciting. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Thank you. Congratulations. So, so exciting. That's so innovative. I guess I've never thought about combining cannabis in in a writing event. But I guess you think about it and it makes sense. If you're being lifted, then you might as well write while you're lifted, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was amazing i could probably talk to y'all for like another two hours i know it's really great like i feel like i've learned just as much as like i 
offers. So this has been really, really cool. Cause I mean, 10 years ago, it's like these conversations weren't really happening like this. So it's, it's just so, it's yeah. so nice. And it, or it would be happening, but not with people like not with us. So yeah. mm-hmm. at the center. So I just, I'm really admire the work that you are doing and you're going to help so many black girls and women and femmes and people who struggle through with anxiety and maybe it felt like alone. So keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Super appreciate that. But thank you so much, Hannah. Like we, we really appreciate you taking the time out. We are excited for Honey is the Knife. I know just from what you've told us on this podcast, I am going to read it front to back. So let Same. us know. I will put my order for the book. Oh, um, thank you so much. I can't wait to read it. Um, Hannah, before you go, can you um, let us know how people can contact you, follow you, what uh, social uh, sites you're on? Yes. So I'm on mostly, I would say the best place is Instagram, where it's Hannah, H A N N A h dot echo i almost forgot how to spell my own name um and also my website and that's hannahecho.com hit hannah up follow her um she's doing a lot of great things in this space um and thank you again for everybody tuning in for another episode of black girls have anxiety too we are super appreciative of this growing community and all the love that we're getting um and the love that we're spreading by the people that are coming onto the podcast and sharing these amazing stories and experiences. So thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for being part of this community. Follow us on Instagram, Black Girls Have Anxiety Too. Um, Twitter is Anxious Black Girl. That's B L A K. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you All so right. much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> thank you so much, you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>